I'm Suzanne Murdoch and you're listening to Power and Productivity. Each episode, I explore the energy that connection, expertise and flexible working can bring to your business. In this episode, Russell Zaytab and I will be chatting about her newest project, the Silk Mentoring Empowerment Cycle, an interactive learning methodology centered around nobility, how it changes the way we engage with each other, allowing for equality despite our differences. She raises the point that we've often made our lives really complicated by compartmentalizing a lot of our learning into business and personal, but we need to bring a a holistic approach. We need to be conscious of how we apply ourselves and how we want to grow. It's only when we take the action that we see growth happen. Welcome. I'm your host, Suzanne Murdoch, and today I'm excited to be joined by my good friend, Russell Zaytab of Silk Mentoring. Russell is an experienced educator and trainer with an infectious, positive, energetic outlook on life. She's a diverse background and career, having grown up in the Philippines and Iran, volunteered in India and Latin America. She later moved to Israel, where she met her husband. Soon after, they moved to the US, where Russell completed her master's in public administration and co-developed and facilitated a women's leadership development program. Moving to the Netherlands to raise her children, she also found time to co-found a network dedicated to professionals in leadership consultancy before moving to Spain in 2016. And this is where she has embarked on her newest project, which I'm so excited to talk about today. Russell has dedicated all of her energies and passion into aiding the advancement and empowerment of individuals from both a business and a personal perspective. Her conceptual framework is called the Silk Mentoring Empowerment Cycle. It's an interactive learning methodology working through the processes of action, reflection, consultation and self-study. The concept focuses in on personal skills, including boundary setting, confidence, authenticity, negotiation, skills which are all tied together to improve our communication style, language and expression, so that as individuals we can fulfil our potential and contribute to the betterment of the world. One part of this toolkit that hones in on all of these areas is the concept of nobility. I can say firsthand, having studied this with Russell, that it's really transformed and it's an intuitive approach, gaining the power of presence, learning to storytell and and has really helped me discover my my identity. So Russell, I want to start by asking you, nobility, tell me about this term. How does it link all of the elements that Silk Empowerment Framework stands for? What does the word mean to you? Hi, Suzanne. How are you? All good. Good. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so... The conceptual framework of the silk empowerment cycle, the center of it, the core, is nobility and self-awareness. And nobility is the most foundational of all of the attributes and qualities. And it is built on the positive view of human nature. And the reason I say positive is because there are different views of human nature, which exists in our literature, in our human literature. And the reason it's positive is because we choose to look at individuals from a positive light. So I believe I am a good person and I believe I am noble. And in the same light, I believe you are a good person and you are noble too, right? This changes the dynamics of our interaction. If, for example, I choose to think that I have more than you, I am more educated and you are less, it will right away change the way we interact with each other. So in a business format, our engagement is going to be having a power structure. 
I am up or down. But I think a more inclusive and more diverse setting where I look at you as an equal, right? Allows us to find solutions together in a more sustainable way. So, so here's, here's what nobility, it tickles me, you know, this word nobility, it tickles me a lot because it's an um, umbrella word, right? Within it, you can find all of the other qualities. For example, you have authenticity and trustworthiness, and you have perseverance and to be resolute, and you have all of these wonderful positive qualities we associate with being a human being, right? Because you cannot say that an individual is noble but is not authentic, right? You yeah. cannot say someone is truthful and not noble, so they, they reinforce each other, but nobility is the umbrella term. It's an, it's yeah. an umbrella term, but if, if you ever had any struggles, it, it, within, it's an umbrella term, there's lots of different values within it. Right. But is, have you ever had any struggles in terms of, of defining it and defining it to certain people who perhaps think it means something completely different in terms of hierarchy, for instance? Yes. Um, Allow me to use the analogy of the ocean, all right? When we stand on a shore and we look at an ocean, right? Let's say we are here in, um, I face, for example, the Atlantic Ocean. When I look at it, I know it's the ocean. If I stick my finger into it and put that drop into my mouth, I know it's salty. I don't have to drink the entire ocean to know it's salty, right? Yeah. In the same light, with that same drop I put under the microscope, I will know that within that drop are all of these life forms, which sustain the entire ocean, right? I don't have to like go and swim and be like, oh my God, the ocean has all of these wonderful things. Within that drop, I can get a glimpse of it, right? And all of the parts of the ocean, which touches a different shore, carries with it the qualities of that shore, of that shoreline, Right. So this is how culture also plays into that. They become that part of the ocean becomes unique to that shore, yet it is part of the big ocean. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So that analogy, <laughs> because I have been trying to see how I can wrap my even my own mind around the concept of nobility, which is it is so vast, yet it is foundational to all human beings, I believe. Right. It is within we are there are all of these qualities which are latent within us and when we shed light on that through our education and our experiences all of these qualities come to come to light right so it is this it's it's a very interesting process holding yourself to a high standard what other word than having nobility as that high standard so it is a, and it is a standard which goes beyond um, creed, education, religious orientation, whatever differences we have between us as human beings, it goes beyond that. It is, it establishes a, an equality between human beings that we all have the potential to rise. It really, it really does. And when we've been um, doing the workshops across a number of months and working with people from different cultures, it really does um, bring, that to, bring that to light in so many different elements. Right. So, but Suzanne, at the same time, right, you and I have been in this process long enough and we have a deep level of trust and you hold me accountable through your own standard of nobility and I hold myself and you accountable through the same 
standard, right? We have slightly unique ways of looking at it because of where you come from. But at the same time, it, it is foundationally the same, right? The goodness we hold each other accountable to, the trustworthiness, right? The, the honesty, all of these wonderful qualities we hold ourselves accountable to are similar. You, the experiences you share are culture specific though. So yeah. that, and it makes it rich, right? So this is, so when I imagine the concept of empowering an individual or contributing to the advancement of women, I think we have to, as women and as human beings, hold ourselves to, a such, to such a standard that we can push ourselves so we are not only thinking of ourselves, but of others too. And then oh, this completely, is how, you know, I, I get that completely. Right. And this is how we empower. <laughs> True. Russell, you use the image of a petal as a visual representation to show the thematic components or the learning components of, of the silk empowerment cycle. Can you tell me a bit more about why you chose that? I know for me personally, I got really excited when I saw a petal, you know, my love of uh, horticulture and then planting. Just, that, just, that was just the icing on the cake yeah. for me. But explain a bit more about the, the reasoning why you chose the petal as a symbol. Um, okay, so the conceptual framework, it looks like a flower, correct? And, but that's a, that's a two-year process of becoming a flower. It was in the beginning, they were concentric circles within each other from an inside focus of self-development towards an outward focus, but it was not, it was not gelling well, right? And I use a lot of natural um, analogy to understand the different sections of human development and bring it together because that is how, how I feel as a human being. I can individually grow when I use natural stuff, right? And so, it, and then there's this whole cultural aspect where you have the yin yang and then yang because I'm Asian and then part of my ancestry has a very strong connection to the Chinese culture. So I was like, oh, the yin and yang. Mm -hmm. But I kid you not, the process of, of creating the conceptual framework, there are around, there were around 10, 15 individuals who I ran this by. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Because here's the interesting thing. The create, my creative process works and I can understand it. But for somebody else to understand it, I had to run it through to see that it flows properly, right? And it went through different variations until it became a flower until even the sepals of it shows because the the um the uh, within the core you have nobility and self-awareness and then you have feminine traits and those are the underside of the flower holding the petals up right and but but for myself you know i i tell all of my female friends and participants the most I am so in love with the orchid and I find them so exotic and so just so rich the design of the orchid is it is like for me one of the highest art forms but the most beautiful orchids are found on the cliff of the mountain or on the top of the trees right and they exist in the harshest environment that's where they become resilient and most beautiful because it's almost as if they go through this weird natural test. They have to face all of the elements and still they, they're there, right? I love that analogy. <laughs> and it's, it's true though, because any flower which you have by your window, you know, in Holland, we have this window sales and we have orchids, we always put them by the window. So from the outside, it looks pretty looking in, but those orchids are 
um, the same everywhere. The most beautiful design of the orchid are those which are so remote. And so, and then that is how the whole process came about. Oh, I have to do the flower and I have to do, it has to have it within it, the concentric circles. It has to have within it also the, the golden ratio, you know, the golden ratio where it, where within, as, as you, you can magnify a process and it still has the same shape, right? From a little triangle within it and it can make it a bigger triangle. I'm sorry, a rectangle. And it's this, it's this, there's a mathematical symbol also within the conceptual framework. <laughs> I'm getting so excited talking about Oh, no, no, I just love it. It makes perfect sense to me, the way that all, everything overlaps. Yeah. And without one of the values, you know, you're not whole. That's how it feels to me. Yeah. Yes, this is, this is also true. You know, we, as human beings, so that we understand something, we compartmentalize. We take a piece, we become, we look at it and dissect it and leave the rest, the rest of the parts out there. But this, the, the conceptual framework shows, and it has been proven that um, every part feeds the other part. If you take one part out, it's almost as if uh, your hand and you, you, you remove a thumb or you remove the small pinky, right? It doesn't feel complete anymore. And in your interactions with other individuals, you will feel the missing component. Right. And this, yeah, so it feeds each other. You're right. It's interesting you say that. I mean, I've, I've certainly felt that. It all makes sense when you see, you know, listening, all, all the different values, negotiation, self-awareness written down in black and white. You can have your core values, which might be three or four core values personal to yourself. But you, you, you have this feeling when something's missing and it's not until you see it written down in black and white that you realize, oh, that's yeah. why I feel like this. That's why I'm not firing on all cylinders. Is that true? Um, yeah, it is. It is true. It is true. And and the interesting thing is um, only in a social environment, like in your interaction with other individuals, can you test yourself as a human being to see your how much you grow, mm -hmm. right? Or how much you change or how much you get empowered or how much you empower. It is only in those social interactions, right? And this is the action element, which we're going to talk about, I know, later. Sure. But that's action element of, yeah. of the learning sequence. So, Russell, how does the interactive method or the format of the program work in terms of the processes of the action, reflection, consultation, and the self-study? And how, how long does it take to Ooh. complete the process? I know, it, or is it ongoing? Well, um, we all need a jump point, right? We are here and we want to move to point B. At the same time, like in mathematics, you have a point and, and then you have an arrow which goes endlessly into, an, into a direction. Learning works like that. It is lifelong. It doesn't come to an end because a project comes to an end. Um, the only way you can carry learning from one place to another place is to continuously be in the state of learning, right? So that's why we have, and the, we have this action, reflection, consultation, and self-study. It is it it was broken down for our um, analysis of it. However, they all work simultaneously. Suzanne, right? So when you take an action, you, at the moment you take the action, you're already reflecting. Is this good? Should I change? Should I modify? Should I refine, right? As you're taking your action, your reflection happens. A deeper reflection happens when you take time and be like, how can others benefit, right? How can others um, grow from this? How can I contribute and make it sustainable? 
because it's not just about you. The instant reflection is for yourself, but the more deep reflection is in consideration of others, right? And this is the individual side of, of the action reflection. And when you take it to a bigger sphere where you're in consideration of other human beings, you bring this idea into a consultation. I thought of this, what do you think? But to maintain a consultative space, which is open and frank and bold and considerate, imbued with love, is something we have to, to guard. Because when we enter a space and we want to have a conversation or a dialogue, we have to guard that personal hard feelings or anger for something else. It does not come and taint that space because it's harder to find solutions when the space is so charged, right? Mm. So, for example, you and I want to talk about something and you're and I'm upset with somebody else. I have before I come into this consultative space between you and me, I have to manage my emotional state. Right. So that when we talk about what we want to talk about, we can find solutions, you and I. Right. <laughs> and then and then here's the, here's the culmination of it is in the self-study, because there's a lot of literature which is out there. It is in the discipline of finding the answers. So it's an investigation of the truth. You, you do it for yourself. You go and see what people say, and then you pull it together because it has to be a whole. So you took the action, you, you reflected on it, and then you brought it to other people. What do you think? Because we want to make this you know, usable for you and me. And then we check the literature, and then we go through the cycle over and over that we get to a point, you know, Here's, here's the beautiful thing about learning, I find. Learning is not, or, or growth is not linear, right? Mm. It's multidimensional, multidimensional and multi-layered. That means that if this, let's imagine this is your point. This is your learning point down here. It goes outward in a circle like the body of a snail, right? Or a shell of, or a seashell. So it looks like it's, it's a circle, but it's pulling outward. Yet at the same time, it is not linear like this. It goes outward and upward, right? So it changes because the influence we have changes too. The reach we have grows. So we grow in our own selves and we grow in our influence, right? <laughs> Russell, I, this, is, this is fascinating to me. And I know from a personal perspective, um, the, the intuitiveness side I feel I've really grown in as well. Yes. Um, but putting putting myself in other people's shoes, I would have done that, but not not so intuitively, not so um, automatically. And now it's taken a while to get there, but yes. but now it just it just happens. Yes, you know, Suzanne. Even for myself, the for for me to be able to describe this from from what was existing in in a thought process. And being able to describe it so so somebody else gets it, it took me a while to get here, right? And it it is not, no knowledge is contained within one human being. I think knowledge is it's communal, right? And the more we talk about it, the more we try to find uses for it, it becomes more. Um, you can transfer it, and it becomes useful, right? Mm. So so this concept of the upward, you know how. In, a, in an ocean, there's something which is um, like a hole in the bottom of the ocean and it pulls the water in, yeah. like a whirlpool. But imagine it in reverse. 
that is what the, the upward learning looks like. So you never come back to a point wherever you started from, you never come back there. You go and then when you're about to reach that point, you're actually elevated and then you go into the next level. And then the next, and then the next level. It's like going through school, no? From grade one, you never come back at the end of the year and go back into grade one. You have to move into grade, have to move into grade two, right? <laughs> it's it makes part sense. of life, yeah. It is, it is. But, but I think also, you know, my learning, my learning path, when I, for example, interact with you in the, in the sessions that we have with the other ladies, my learning is also very intense in, in every single moment we have together. Even if I believe that I know something after a session we have, when I leave it, I'm like, oh my God, she said, she solidified an understanding I had, she worded it, right? When someone can verbalize something in your mind, your learning is solidified. Oh, that's because powerful. That's, that that has been very powerful. And for me, this is when, when women get together or women and men get together, for me, this is always, it's, it's like a gift, no? <laughs> so the, the, the learning elements themselves, there's some that are given more weight or time and learning time than others. Mm-hmm. The ability, the self-awareness, the trust elements. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other elements like the power of presence, confidence. Why are some given more weight than others? Um, it, it is person-dependent. Okay. The conceptual circle cycle itself does not have a pool. One is more important than another. But for a human being, for example, when I need to pull on my confidence, that section of me, that side of me, will feel most prominent, right? And I will, I will need to pull on other sections of the conceptual cycle so that my confidence shines. But it does not mean to say that my negotiation, my negotiation skills are diminished or they are left behind. They exist within me, but they're not um, so prominent in the moment that is that my confidence is needed, right? So, um, and it's it's um, situation specific. It's person specific and situation specific. There are situations where you don't have to really fight and and make a stand for a certain cause but you have to stand and be very noble in your decision-making, right? So you have to be very trustworthy in a moment. And in that moment, you don't have to storytell, but you have to be authentic. So this is how it feels like sometimes some parts seem to have more importance, but it's person, person dependent. And that's very powerful if, if say you're in a business situation as well especially of, of the, the negotiation and the confidence. And right. I guess the, the whole nobility, the, the center of the, uh, the flower of the framework yeah. where you've got the nobility, self-awareness, you know, that is the core, certainly in business. If, you, if, if you're lacking in certain aspects mm-hmm. of that, then you might struggle with certain aspects of, of your business. Right. So let, let, if we talk from a business perspective, right, um, when I step into any business space, when I exercise the qualities which I hold myself accountable to, and I, and I look at the other individual in the same light, the way I talk to them is it feels respectful and honorable to me, right? Because I treat them with the respect I want to be treated with. Or sometimes more, because they might deserve more, right? It's a sense you get, so you give more. But... What happens is when you are 
um, okay, when in a business perspective, the conceptual cycle works very, very well because it works in the sense of when you're trying to establish gender equality in your company, right? Or you're trying to de define profit sharing. What is profit sharing, which is sustainable and, and just, right? That the, the, the employees participate in your profit sharing. So this is another concept. You can use a conceptual framework in designing all of these things, but it works best in a consultative space where you have what they call buy-in and grassroots engagement. Oh. You with your employees, right? You with your employees. Because at the moment, I am a single proprietor, but I don't work by myself. I have a team around me which helps me think through different things and test stuff, right? At one point, this can be taken and it can become franchised. And then that will we will need to have um, some standards. And the standards, doesn't matter where you're from in the world, the standards have to be universal so that the treatment of anyone who goes through the program is just and sustainable, right? So these are these are the, the ways I, I, I see the conceptual framework working in, the, in a business sphere. But for myself, what the business, um, what the conceptual framework does is it, it really develops this interconnectedness I have with the people I engage in and the development of sections of the program because it always modifies. It doesn't stay, it doesn't stay and it's, it's not like this is a permanent state. It always, even the program itself, it, it goes in waves and it goes in an upward wave. Oh yeah, it ebbs and flows of life, I guess, yeah, depending ebbs. on the, the projects exactly. you're working on, the mood you're in, yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the weather outside. Yeah. <laughs> the it, all, it, all, it all changes how you feel. It does, it does. Um, and, it, and then sort of moving on, in terms of um, personally, the program's given me a, a real power of presence and particularly, as I mentioned before, a sense of perspective. Um, standing in someone else's shoes but you know we can all have similar struggles and challenges in life but business but or, or sorry business but often from a different perspective mm -hmm. um, be it different cultures male female different industries you know the, the, ref, the reflection and the consultation part of this for me has been invaluable mm -hmm. um, what would you say around those areas and the the the, the values of the perspective that it brings um, so Nowadays, the most one of the most trendy terms we have is diversity and inclusion, right? It's so trendy. It's hot potatoes. But I think the reason why this is really, really trendy is because of the, the movement of, of humankind towards a very global inclusive state, right? COVID has shown us that what happens in Ireland can totally happen here in Spain, and it happens in Asia, all the way into the Far East, right? And it goes all the way into the African nations. So there's no limit. Now, the concept of globalization is this. COVID has really shown what it really implies, right? So when we think of the differences between human beings, the diversity within us, yet having to find solutions amongst us, right, requires us to... To, to look at each other and the state of the world in an elevated way, right? Not that if I am not the center of the universe and neither are you. No, that's why the consultative space is necessary. You come with an issue, because some of us have heavier issues than others, but it doesn't mean to say that your issue is more important, doesn't mean. 
but it's a heavier issue for you at that moment. If I can contribute to finding the solution, I have to, right? Because what happens to you is of um, importance to me because you as a human being, you, you're, the effect you have on the people around you is also outward going and outward facing. And eventually all of these individuals get affected by you. You're, a, you're one human being, right? You know, so there's this thing which uh, I'm going to digress a little bit. I have a friend. She was like, when I sit in my chair and I imagine the universe, right? And all of these planets within the universe. <laughs> and there's this little old me sitting in this little old chair. What? How much can I make of a difference, Russell? Really? Seven billion people and me? And then there's the universe, right? <laughs> and then, so there is that point of view which feels so fatalistic and so like you become so insignificant. But if you pull yourself in and you're not the center of the universe, but you think about the changes you can make to the individuals just around you. You're not trying to change your whole city, just individuals around you. Someone becomes happier. Someone becomes um feel sustained, someone is, whatever your influence is, those individuals have grown, right? So you matter, every human being matters. In the grand scheme of thing, all of these little human beings who matter make a big change, but we cannot see, it's so hard to see it, right? Wow, <laughs> I love that. It's like the ripple effect, the pay, the pay it back effect. It, right? Yeah, that word is, that pay it back um, concept, is selfless. I, I struggle with it sometimes because, you know, we, because of our experiences in life, we feel some people are less deserving or they have proven themselves um, they, that they shouldn't receive from you or from others because they have hurt other individuals. Yet at the same time, that is their issue. It's not yours. Your job, my job, for example, is to still pay it forward right? That is the funny thing. I shouldn't, I, as an individual, should not allow others to define the standards I hold myself by, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Suzanne, we are, I'm having, more, I'm having so much fun. We should just stay and do this forever. <laughs> hey, Russ, I have to ask, do you work, do you work primarily with women or do you work with men as well? Mm. So, um, I work with men and women. The um, silk mentoring empowerment program was designed primarily for women. And I'll tell you why I come from a, a culture, which is machista. All right. Both the Filipino and Iranian cultures have a history of being male or male um, oriented. It, it's changing everywhere in the world. Women are having stronger voices in Asia. The Filipino women are really heads of the families now. Right. Yet, at the same time, in the same grain, there are individuals who, whose voices are not heard. And because our history has shown us that um, men have had lots of preference in life already, my objective at the moment is to give those who haven't had the opportunity, the opportunity. I'm not saying that I prefer women over men. I'm saying that those who want to and cannot, I would like to give them the opportunity. So if it is a man, who needs this opportunity, I have it, they should also be engaged, right? And the interesting thing is, when we engage women in, in even in our in our circles, um, Suzanne, our partners 
are part of our dialogue, right? Are, are almost 60% of our dialogue because we cannot escape. We cannot, we have to figure out solutions with them, with our children, with the communities we work in, um, work. All of these things are part of the dialogues, right? So to move away from what we were talking about earlier, compartmentalization, my husband is here and I'm here. My work is here and my happiness and, and my you know hobbies are here. All of these are part of our space. And so we have to constantly manage those spaces, right? <laughs> what has been interested in, in our house, hear me talking all these different concepts and values and then Patrick asking me questions and I never thought I'd see Patrick watching a Brené Brown video. <laughs> but it happens. Yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. are. No, 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 it, it is. I, I have the same thing with my partner as well. He is actually um, very um, engaged in the advancement of women. So he's engaged in the process of the advancement of women. My challenge is having a, a man-to-woman talk with him just because we're culturally, you know, diametrically opposed. But it is a process we're working on. I have no problem working with other men in the same light but this individual, I have to engage myself more, right? And it, it, it is a growth process. And it, I've been married 19, 20 years. I'm sorry, I can't even remember whether it's <laughs> 19 or 20, but it's that long. And, it, and still we're learning, still, right? So it's, it is a process. Well, you never know. You, do, you never know someone. <laughs> yeah. And then never, I guess we never truly know ourselves. That too. That too, because we're we're also in this constant state of of refinement and growth and renewal, and we're in that in a constant state. So here's the interesting thing, you're right. When we think of nobility, for example, we don't we don't go and reach, ding, I am noble, I am done, right? Because our life experiences and the people we interact with, we're constantly feeling the ebb and flow of our nobility, right? And sometimes we feel less noble. So we strive to bring it up again. Sometimes we feel so noble that it flows easier, that we see good so fast in people. But when we are struggling, right, because of whatever life circumstance we're in, then we have to manage ourselves. And the people around us have to help us manage that too, right? Because, yeah, we are, after all, a community of human beings. <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah. Right. Okay. Question about yourself. Okay. <laughs> How does such a positive and passionate and energetic person stay so calm? So calm? How are you so calm all of the time? <laughs> you just got all of this energy. Um, so here's, here's the interesting thing. I have to self-manage a lot. I have to self-manage the language I use uh, because I love to cuss. And I, I cuss easy, right? But I prefer, I know, I've noticed this about myself, I prefer when I use other, lang other forms of ways to, to express my feelings, right? And instead of cussing. I feel happier, that's the bottom line. Um, when it comes to the energy, I have three small children and they keep me entertained and engaged. However, um, my natural state is always also on the move. The calmness is its habit. I had to get to this place. I had to get it. I had to get it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm stuttering. 
I had to get to it by just managing, for example, I need to read. If I don't read, I feel a little off. So reading stabilizes a part of me. Um, sitting with a family stabilizes a part of me. So I have moments in the day, I would just be sitting with one child or two children, sometimes with my partner. I have a preference for people not talking when I'm sitting, but I cannot manage that part. They just kind of talk all the time. Uh, I need to have, for example, also um, reflection time where I either write or I draw or I do art. That is when I come into my comma state. I feel, I remember we had a participant, we, we have a friend, Joanne, she was talking about the state of just as if you're sitting on the top of the ocean, just floating, huh? that kind of calmness which art gives, it gives me. But it, I work on it all the time. And when I wake up in the morning, I don't wake up and all joyful and all I controlled. I wake up and I have to go through a process of um, gratitude and prayers and, and really making myself breathe and calm, calm myself down. And, and you know what? The, the funny thing is um, when the challenge, when the test comes and it is inside my family, it's harder to find solutions then I become agitated very fast. But when it's an outside person, like outside of my family who's trying to needle us, I can actually calm myself and see it objectively. But this is a process. It took me about 10, 15 years to get here. Yeah. Right. And other individuals have helped me through, through this. They, and I talk to a lot of women. I talk to, I've talked to you so many times. And then after my talks with you, I'll be like, okay. Right. So it's funny because you talk to me with the intention of, of going through a thought process, but while you're, you're going through that thought process with me, I come out of that process composed and calm. It's almost like, the, I guess it's the consultation process. It is, also that. it is also that, but I think no human being can sustain themselves by themselves. No. They need Every human being needs a support system. I think men more than women, because women, we are naturally, we naturally have women around us or people who support us because of the roles we've had in society. But men, I think they, they might need it more, right? And this is just, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that statement based on the, the men around me in my life, my husband, my brothers, my father, you know, my uncles and stuff like that. Based on that, I think they need a stronger support system all of the women in my family have very strong support systems and they really um manage it very well huh they they have the social element they have the family element and they talk the women in in these groups they talk a lot it's back to the point that you know it takes a village to bring up a child absolutely i'm i'm, I'm a firm believer in that it, it takes a village to raise any human being. <laughs> Completely. And I think you need, yes, you need your support network, but you need the, the people around you that get you, that understand you, yes. that understand your values, your goals, where you want to go. Yeah. But you know, one of the, okay, I, I do agree with that entire statement, but COVID has given us all a gift. It, the gift of COVID, I know, I know we have lost so many human beings and people who are very close to us, but the gift of COVID is, for example, for me, it has given you me and me you. There would have been no chance, Suzanne, that you, your path and my path would have come together were it not for COVID. Because I had to take, for example, the silk mentoring from a face-to-face -face engagement into the online world. And then suddenly, you on that 
on that side of the world, I feel when I talk that you're right here beside me or right here in front of me, you know? So this is the gift of COVID, the network we have. We have gone beyond the physical and we still connect and we still strive and we still grow and we still try to contribute to the advancement of humankind, right? <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find out more about what you do and who you work with? Okay. Um, who I work with? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can check me out on www.silkmentoring.com. The, the website exists. That is my business card. Because uh, <laughs> that's what, it, what the website really is. It's a business card. And also, I, I do post regularly on Instagram. So it is at Silk Mentoring. You can, you can find us there. Um, the website has a contact information. And you can write to me there. And I will right away get back to you. The people who I work with are are not really. It's it's usually I I work on a confidential nature. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. In that and more about more about the programs, but that's all on your that's all on your website. Yes, the program is on the website, and I I, I do also have a LinkedIn page, but my LinkedIn page is it's the entire. It's almost my, like my life history <laughs> on it, right? Um, yeah, so so you can find me there. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, Russell, this has been amazing. (laughs) Storytelling. And I I could go on all morning talking to you. Um, You've had a really, you have had a very big impact on my life and and the the lessons and the stories that we've shared. Um, And I think what you really do, what you really do um, is from the most noble and authentic place yourself. Thank you. And I thank you for that. Um, thank you so much for taking the time for this morning. It's, it's been fascinating. And I can't wait to hear what else you have in store. Yes. You know, by the way, um, your impact on my life has been also very, very profound. And not just on my life, but on the individuals who are in the program, the way you've spoken to them. Um, you're, you're naturally imbued with so much kindness and compassion, Suzanne. It is... It is always wonderful to witness it. And I've seen you disagree with a lot of the women and the whatever they share, but you, the disagreement is wrapped in this cloak of kindness, right? And this is a skill. I don't know how you develop that. However you've developed that, you're on a good path because you share a disagreement without cutting the other person down. And that, I think this is really important because we, we engage with each other long-term most people we engage with it's long-term and even if a project comes to an end the chance of us engaging with them again is high right because we've engaged with them once if we cut them with our words or with our facial reactions right they don't want to engage anymore then this is lost opportunity you however constantly share a different point of view but it is it is so um Unoffensive. It's amazing. I love watching. I'm like, look at this. She did it again. <laughs> well, thank no, you. No, I wasn't I, even aware that I did that. No, but it's important. This, this, it's a skill, and right. this is one of those things I wanted to talk to you actually about. That how did you um, perfect or get to this point where where you can say something and not offend because it's tactfulness, truly, huh? Respect, tra- ta- tactfulness, and and consideration for others. So 
if you can share that at one point, right? How how you got there? It's 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 something every human being can learn. Not men, not men, not women. Everyone needs it because you know in in Europe and in the West, we are of the opinion. Many of us are of the opinion that when we express ourselves, this is our right to express ourselves and our thoughts and our feelings and the other person, take it or leave it. But we express. In the East, this is not always acceptable. There is such a thing as saving space, face, saving face. No? There's a, such a thing as consideration for, for honor, right? Yeah. So, but but there are, these are different things which we have to learn to talk about because of the diversity in the groups we have. You know, no, it's good. No, I'm it's been talk. fantastic. We have to wrap up now, unfortunately, but okay. it's been great talking to you. And thank you, Russell. And thank you so much also for giving me this opportunity. And, and I love hanging out with you. What can I say? I felt like this was just a conversation between friends. <laughs> yeah, we will speak soon. Absolutely. Take care of yourself for now, all right? Thanks to Russell Zaytab of Silk Mentoring. I could talk to her all day. Don't forget, it's only when you take action that the growth really happens. And mobility changes the way that we engage with each other. Hope you enjoyed listening. We have a couple of interesting episodes coming up on recharging your batteries, how to look after yourself in business and a flexible workplace playing to your strengths. Thanks for listening. You can find more information in the show notes or on our website, thehubnuri.com. While you're there, why not join our mailing list so we can keep you in the know about everything we're up to. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. Powering Productivity is presented by me, Suzanne Murdoch. It's produced by Emily Crosby Media.